we could make it sound really fancy, and sometimes we do. So sometimes it means that, yeah, we're going to a church today and we're going to be doing a revival service or preaching or doing worship or whatever. But sometimes it means I'm going to go over to my mother-in-law's house and help her clean it. Because both of those actions are part of our calling as people. Um, and it's not just what we do in our ministry that would fulfill that calling. This is Big C, Little C, a podcast from Current Church in Franklin, Indiana, where we explore how the local church fits in with the global church and how the kingdom is at work on a local level. Current Church meets on Sunday nights at 6 at The Gear in Franklin and exists to encounter God, equip the church, and engage the world. We believe that whatever God is going to accomplish in this world, He is going to do through the church Big C. These are our stories and the testimony of the power of God in everyday lives. Find out more at currentchurch.net or look for us on Facebook and Instagram. Now here's your host, Jeremy. So I can already tell you this is going to be a two-parter. We had Daniel and Alicia Benadani of He Is Revival Ministries in studio, and we got a little carried away. So this is part one of the He Is Revival episode, and we'll get to that conversation as soon as possible, uh, because even in two parts, uh, there's a lot there. Let's uh, hear from frontman Gene from the Sunday Gone Past. No, it's not a Christmas message. This was from the Mother's Day gathering this past Sunday at Current. And the fourth one epic fails was somebody named Mary. Here's a mom, a future mom, a lady, young lady, virgin lady, engaged to be married, and gets pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Epic fail. I mean, even when you say the truth, yeah, but it's by the Holy Spirit. Who believes that? Can you imagine? There's no way. How do you explain that to your friends? Oh, no, we're, no, I'm still a virgin. It's Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit did that. Epic fail. She, and she was defamed. Don't think that people didn't talk. Okay, so she got her future husband to believe it. He believes that she's, that she's impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Maybe she gets her parents on board. We don't know. Maybe the in-laws. But what about, you know, what do you tell the kids you went to school with? They're not going to believe. They're just going to talk bad about you. She's a tramp. No matter what really happened, she's no good. Her name is defamed. Wow. Have you thought about that? Jesus, Savior of the world. The stuff that his mom went through? Keep checking currentchurch.net. We are working on an archive of recent sermon recordings. Stay tuned. When we get a break in the middle of our conversation with He Is Revival, we're going to debut a brand new segment here on Big C, Little C. Not going to want to miss that. He Is Revival Ministries, comprised of Daniel and Alicia Benadni from Current Church. They went into full-time ministry uh, not quite a year ago. He is a revival as a traveling ministry. It exists to equip the saints, empower the church, and awaken the world through an authentic encounter with Christ. They're going all over the place to meet the needs of local churches. Very cool story. Let's get right into our conversation with Daniel and Alicia Benadani. Thanks for listening. Many wise people have said... If you wait until the right time to take a major step in your life, 
it probably won't happen. So if you wait till you can afford to have kids, you're not going to have kids. If you wait till your life aligns to get married, you're not going to do it. When it comes to calling, that probably applies as well. And so if you wait for just the right time to step into what God has for you, you probably aren't going to take that step. So you don't have to agree with that. But with that as the premise, yes. how would you guys say your journey has fit into that idea? Well, I, I would say that there's a lot of truth there that, you know, if you wait for the right time, then, you know, that time will never come and, and all of that. But at the same time, the right time is God's time. So for some people that does look like, you know, they wait till they have everything together and everything falls into place for other people. It looks like they're the most unprepared and the, the, the furthest from being able to do what God's calling them to do. And God gets glory either way, but it's important that, you know, God's will has God's timing attached to it. So if we try to go in our own timing, it's, it's never going to work out right. So the vision for this ministry was actually birthed in my heart probably five years ago. I remember distinctly, I was actually driving to Columbus, Ohio, and I was just kind of talking with God. I I had just come back from the mission field where I, I was a missionary in Mexico for a while, and I came back, and it was just kind of like, what am I doing here? And God began to speak to me, and I remember just sobbing on whatever that highway was, 70, <laughs> 70 out to, out to Columbus. And when God actually told me the name, he is revival ministries, uh, because, and the, the story that he gave me behind that was that, you know, we'd be going into churches and a lot of churches are kind of waiting for revival or, or are kind of pushing for something that's far out there that, they can't seem to grasp, but the Lord told me that all through the scripture, the word revival isn't actually used, but the Bible does say that Jesus is the resurrection and he's the life. So he is revival. And God gave me that while I was driving on the highway and I was just sobbing and then had this clear vision for helping churches realize what true revival was and, and that revival and and refreshing and rebirth was available to them so i i was supercharged i was ready to start this ministry and <laughs> obviously it's 5 years later now and in that in between time there were times when i had given up completely and thought okay god's just not going to do it i didn't hear him there were times when I tried to push to make things happen and it didn't work because I was trying to operate on my own timing and God just kind of brought all the timing together really last, last year. Yeah. I mean, that happened before uh, we even met. And so simultaneously, I'm, I think I was still in Minnesota when that first came to your mind and um i did not know daniel at all and had no idea i was going to be moving to indiana um but i knew since i guess i was probably around like 10 years old maybe a little younger 
that I was going to be in ministry, I was going to use music in that ministry, and that I would be overseas at some points throughout my life, but didn't feel called to be like a full-time missionary, um, you know, on the foreign field. So everything kind of fit together when we met, and you know, he was telling me about this idea he has, and you know, our we got married so fast and everything was so crazy, but God had planned for both of us to be ready to take the step when it was time. But before that point, you know, obedience looked like waiting, and now obedience looks like running. So you will allow, when you talk about timing, you'll allow that everybody's story is probably different. Yes. And when you talk about God's timing, you talk about man's timing, there was probably some throwing of caution to the wind. Was it late last summer for you guys when yes. you went, quote unquote, full time? Uh-huh may have looked on the surface foolish yes to some but how did you know at that point that was god's timing well um i was dragging my feet uh we first felt the call to go full-time last march so i'm talking about march 2017 started feeling that call and i was working full-time and a good job and whatever and being miserable and so I thought that was a great idea in theory, but I wasn't about to take any steps at that point. Um, Daniel was already ready to go pretty much, but I was not quite there yet. So um, I went on a personal retreat in May. God spoke to me about it again. I still didn't really want to take any steps on it. Just felt like I wasn't ready and I was struggling with denial and all that stuff. Um and then, like, you know, maybe God just, like, didn't actually call us to do this. Or maybe it's just part-time or just whatever. So then in August, um, I'm at my job. And it's a long situational story. But basically the choice was made for me <laughs> that uh, my job was no longer going to be there um, on September 14th. So that is the date, September 14th, that we decided to just embrace the change that was already happening and step into it. Right. We had been working towards going into this ministry. We we knew early last year in February, March, that God was calling us to step out and start doing stuff with this ministry. So I had actually started serving another ministry called City View Christian Center. And uh, I was helping them do some outreaches and things like that and really serving Chad and trying to learn the ropes of having a traveling ministry. And so I, I had been taking steps towards that and knowing that it would eventually evolve into our own ministry. But then at that point, <laughs> when... Alicia found out that, you know, this is what God's saying. Like, I'm going to have to step away from my well-paying job. And you guys were down to days at that point, right? We weren't even talking about weeks? No. I mean, we had maybe like, maybe three weeks total. But it was like, end one job. And then, you know, should we look for another job? Should I be putting my resume out there? Or should we just you know, take this moment to embrace what's happening and move forward with our ministry. But I mean, we have a house and a child and health insurance was through my work. And, you know, I was three months away from being vested in retirement and 
all sorts of things, all sorts of reasons were available to not take this step, even when it was offered. Um, you know, it's obviously an opportunity, but you know, I could have found something else at IUPUI, or I could have done something else like that and kept those benefits and prioritized my employment in the world, as they say. But it's it was just a moment of, um, I guess we both had this moment of realization that, okay, like it's time to just go with the flow of what God's already been doing in our lives and take the next step. And conventional wisdom probably says you need to line some of that stuff up before you expose yourself to financial risk. And, and you could certainly be more effective to serve the Lord if you have some of that lined up, if you have some of that stuff in tow. But Daniel, I remember you speaking in front of the church at Current, and you'll have to help me. Is it burn the plow? What did yes. you say specifically you guys were hearing at that point? Yes. So on my personal retreat, <laughs> and I'm sure, I mean, Daniel was already like ahead of the game here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I had this um, understanding. I felt it like in my spirit that, you know, to read the story of the calling of Elisha. And um, my name is Elisha, spelled like Elisha. So I've always felt very connected to that story. And in that story, basically, when Elijah calls, he goes, and he's actually just working in the field, just doing his family business and just taking care of stuff. But he goes and actually kills his oxen. Oxen, yeah. Kills the oxen and burns it on the plow. So he can't even go back to his family um, vocation, even if this doesn't work out, like, he like not only left what he had been doing, but he like burned it to the ground, knowing he was never going to be the same and never go back. And you guys probably felt like that at that point. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, I want to back you up um, to the the weeping on I seventy. Um, did you have a heart? Obviously, Christians are called to the lost. We're all called to be missionaries. We know that. You guys have a fairly creative outlook on your calling and your mission. Uh, one that I had not heard specifically from anybody else before, before that episode with you and God on I-70. Did you have a, a heart specifically for churches before that? Well, yes and no. Um, I, I've i been burned by churches. I've been hurt by churches. And I've I've been hurt by the body multiple times. So... <laughs> To say that I had a heart for the church, um, yes and no. I knew that I knew that the church needed the power of God, and I knew that the answer for what had happened to me and so many others was the power of God, was the church operating the way that it needs to operate. So, I believe at that point, actually, and you know, I guess this is. This is a lesson that God gives you a heart for who he wants you to have a heart for. You know, it kind of reminds me, (laughs) a little side note, when I was in Mexico, when I first got there, there was a guy named David who was working at the Mazatlan base, which is in on the coast in kind of central Mexico. And he was from Mexico City. And I told him like, man, I hope that one day you go back there and I hope that, you know, I definitely love and support people who, who go there, but I'll, I'll never go to Mexico city. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> I said, that sounds like a terrible place. <laughs> and, uh, Jeremy's laughing because he knows that then I actually went on an outreach and went to Mexico city and God gave me the heart for those people yeah. for that city. And I actually ended up planting, helping plant a mission base in Mexico city and living there and now loving that city. So <laughs> a lot of people say that God will call you to, to whatever it is you hate. And they, they just have this terrible view of God that he, you know, just, I don't know, likes to punish you and, and make you miserable. But the reality is that he gives you a heart for whatever he's called you to. Yeah. And so even though at times maybe I've been ready to turn from the church and been burnt from the church so many different ways, God gave me a heart for the church because I know that, well, his word says that the gates of hell won't prevail against it, not against Christians, but against his church and that whatever he's going to do in this world, he'll do through his church (laughs) fist pound. (laughs) And so I really believe, and, and you talked about, you know, everybody's mission is to reach the lost. Well, I believe that our mission as he is revival ministries isn't just for us to go out and reach the lost. It's kind of like you, you give a man a fish, he eats for a day. You teach a man to fish, he'll eat for a lifetime. So I, I believe that our mission is more to equip the church to do what we are supposed to do and to do it well, healthy, whole, and moving in the power of God. And then that'll make the church more effective to be able to go and accomplish that mission. Yeah, and I really think that's it comes back down to Ephesians four. You know, that was the that's what Paul's whole picture of church leadership and, you know, a healthy church body is, you know, I believe the fivefold ministry, you know, pastors, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, all equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. And I've always felt um really called to Christian education, like educating ministers to minister, educating Christians, adult Christians, mature people to reach out. I did my senior project on that at school. I've, you know, done so many different things like that that's always been there for me. So when there's this opportunity, obviously, you know, has been presenting itself and we have the opportunity to go into these churches and love on the pastors and help equip the saints, you know, to do that work of the ministry. I think it's a biblical model. I think it's the right thing to be doing. And I think it's our place in the body to do that. You know, some people are the hands or the feet or whatever. I feel like I'm like a bicep or something. Like I don't do a whole lot of touching the world myself, but if I don't move, the hand's not going to move. So we're speaking with Daniel and Alicia Benadani of He Is Revival Ministries. Find out more at heisrevival.com. It just makes so much sense. If I were the devil, I would attack the church. I would want a listless healthless, um, limping along church body in these days that um, is rendered pretty much ineffective. That would be my plan. So that's your heart. Your heart is, I mean, you see the big picture. You can yeah. zoom out and see, okay, an effective church is a healthy church. 
as an educated church is as an encouraged church, and that's what right. you guys are essentially doing. Exactly. Exactly. That's really our as our heart, and it just we try to be strategic about it. You know, we don't always have a lot of time or resources or energy. You know, in um, the American church, at least, to be spending time. You know, just pursuing everyone's like little passions. Like it's better, in my opinion, to just focus on in- equipping everybody to do all the things that they're called to do, and then let them go from there. Yeah, yeah. So September of 2017, you decided not to pursue new employment. You put your house on the market. We did. <laughs> and you, do you think of yourselves as missionaries? Yes, um, in a sense, not officially. I mean, we're not like Assemblies of God, world missionaries or U.S. missionaries, anything like that. Um, we're technically evangelists under the Assemblies of God in Indiana. Okay. But our model is a missionary model. Uh, you know, we consider ourselves uh, more to be missionaries to the local church. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yes. And so having forsaken all and following him quite literally sounds like a super spiritual thing. <laughs> um, how many things in the course of your regular day feel super spiritual? None. <laughs> <laughs> well, a few. Depends a few. on the day. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but speak to that a little bit as well as you know from afar in my mind you guys are on this pedestal of okay they got it they get what it means to live out your calling yet i imagine there are parts of this where you have to kind of um, talk yourself into it absolutely <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's there's a lot that doesn't doesn't look good doesn't feel good doesn't you know it's not fun yeah (laughs) fundraising is not fun i i actually told the lord after i left the mission field lord i'll never live on fundraising again which you know that's our model (laughs) (laughs) that's our model (laughs) and you know the interim of fundraising where you're not quite to where you need to be uh is is not fun you know there have been so many times just even in administrative stuff calling pastors sending out letters trying to do booking where it it's just kind of terrible it's not glamorous and it looks a lot like life did while I was working full-time, you know, in a secular job, um, I would just, you just get up in the morning, and, I mean, for me, like, I'm taking care of Elizabeth quite a bit, um, trying to focus on that, and Daniel's focusing a little bit more on the bookings and that kind of thing, but we go to Meyer or we go to Kroger, and we get the groceries we need, and we, you know, talk on the phone sometimes with our family, and we just do all the things that we normally do cook our meals and we do um, our laundry and whatever but the you know we could make it sound really fancy and sometimes we do sure. you know it helps you <laughs> remember what you're doing it for when right. you talk about it but you know when it comes right down to it I think we are really trying to just live authentically and live out our calling in a way that includes our daily lives and so sometimes it means that yeah we're going to a church today and we're going to be doing a revival service or we're going to be um, preaching or doing worship or whatever, but sometimes it means like I'm gonna go over to my mother-in-law's house and help her 
clean it or something, because both of those actions are part of our calling as people. Um, and it's not just what we do in our ministry that would have fulfilled that calling. Since you love it so much, when we come back, I'm going to give you a chance to do some fundraising. Oh, thank you. On the program. Uh, so we'll get into that. We're talking to Daniel and Alicia Benadani of He Is Revival Ministries. He is revival.com. To support the ministry, go to heisrevival.com and click on give. Facebook.com slash heisrevival. We'll be right back. I mentioned earlier that we have a new segment debuting this week. We sent Ashley out with a mic. Let's see what happened. Hey guys, it's Ashley with the Back Row Beat. This week, I asked friends who their best friend would be from the show The Office, and honestly, some of the answers surprised me. I thought some of them were pretty funny, so let's take a listen. If you were going to be best friends with someone from The Office, who would you pick and why? I would pick Pam Beasley because she's super into gym, and I could get as close to gym as possible. (laughs) Question. What kind of bear is best? If you could be best friends with someone from the office, who would you be best friends with and why? Um, the guy who likes pretzels, because I like food too, so we could just bond over food. So Stanley? Yes, Stanley. Creed. For sure, Creed. I think uh, his ability to find the good in everything and always have a good time, no matter what else, and even if he doesn't understand everything. Probably Andy, because he's just really dorky, and I can relate to that. What qualities about him make you want to be his best friend? That he's oblivious to everything. (laughs) I would have to go with Jim, because out of all of them, he's the least annoying. And probably the funniest, I think. I don't know, I think being his friend would be entertaining. (laughs) I'm kind of a shy, awkward person when it comes to new people, but... People who I become friends with tend to like gravitate towards me. It's weird. It would probably be Andy or Kevin. Kevin, he's 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 funny and he's kind of like awkward and he likes music. And Andy, he would probably be like wanting to sing all the time. So yeah. If you were going to be best friends with one character from The Office, who would it be and why? I think probably. Dwight, just so I could get the hookups. What do you mean by the hookups? Like, because he's got the end with the boss, so I always got, like, the good word from Dwight with the boss. And also, uh, I love his affinity for, uh, for redskin potatoes. Redskin potatoes? Please expound on that. The one where they switch his, potato, his apple with a potato and he keeps eating it. Oh, yeah, you should be friends with someone like that, yeah. I feel like. Yeah. See? You find the good in everything. Yeah, perfect. Like, I just found the, the deeper good in in that little segment. And plus, I like to prank people. (laughs) Hey, this is Gene, the front man at Current Church. Glad you found our podcast. Hope you'll find something that you can enjoy and you can take away with you. You can hit me up directly, uh, gene at currentchurch.net. Love to field any questions you might have regarding me or the church or the podcast or anything that's happening there. Hopefully you'll find out through this time that we're just a family of people that love Jesus and are working it all out from day to day, just trying to figure it out as we go with the Holy Spirit directing us every step of the way. Yeah, we make some mistakes, but I think we're probably doing some stuff right. If you ever want to visit us, you can find us at 230 Commerce Drive. We meet at the Gear in Franklin, 6 p.m. on Sunday nights. You can sleep in. 
come hang out on Sunday night. It's what I do. You can visit our website, currentchurch.net, or on all the social medias ish. Instagram at Current Church Franklin, Facebook slash Current Church. This is my best radio voice. It's also the only voice I have. Hey, now back to the podcast. Welcome back to Big C, Little C, a podcast ministry of Current Church. Daniel and Alicia Benad and I in studio, Big C, Little C podcast, a ministry of current church, and they are part of our church. Uh, we don't see you guys sometimes for weeks on end, but that's not because you're slacking. Uh, it's not because you're playing hooky. You guys are out um, pursuing your calling, and you guys are part of us. And so I would uh, be interested to hear your perspective of being planted at a church here in Franklin, Indiana, but being an outreach of us, I feel like we need to feel ownership of that. I would think you would agree. And part of that is feeling some financial ownership of that. So I will offer this opportunity for you to speak to supporters and would-be supporters of He Is Revival Ministries and uh, tug on our heartstrings a little bit. So our fundraising model, really our model for our ministry, when we were first talking about how we're going to do everything because people don't realize that, oh, when you go into traveling ministry, when you go into evangelistic ministry, what, what have you, you got to figure out how you're going to fund it. Some people have other jobs, which is great. You know, that works for them and that's, that's what God's called them to. And they're able to fund that and maybe do a little bit less and be a little bit more tied up. But that's what God's called them to. Other people are just, you know, I've got friends who are phenomenal speakers and they just book at churches left and right that, you know, most of those give them a, a good offering and that's, you know, that's how they fund their ministry. And that's great. You know, that's what God's called them to. When we were first talking about it, I kind of thought, well, I guess we'll live mostly off of love offerings that churches give us. And the Lord kind of rebuked me and told me, look, you know, we're creating your ministry to help churches, to bring some lift to churches and to help them be healthy, whole and moving in the power of God. So if, if, if we're going to be, Helping churches to be healthy and whole, you better believe we're going to be going into some churches that aren't healthy and aren't whole. And the Lord said, I'm going to send you into some hurting churches, some churches that maybe even are about to close their doors, that don't know how they're going to survive. How are you going to expect them to pay your bills? And I was taken back. Um, so the Lord laid out a model for us, a ministry model for us that we would actually be able to fund our ministry mostly from the church so that it's actually the church sending us into the church and it's actually the body loving on the rest of the body to, to bring change where it needs to be. So we, we got this model of fundraising 
And Jeremy, you mentioned earlier that we're, we're selling our house. We're making a lot of changes in our lives to actually bring down our bottom line, paying off student loans. That's one thing that selling the house is going to do. We'll be completely debt free. We'll have no ties that, that bind us, so to speak. And all of that is so that we can live a simple life so that we can be as responsible as possible with the money that's given to us. Cause I don't take it lightly when people give to us. I don't take that lightly. I know that that's a sacrifice for them. And I, I know that, that if, if I'm going to be asking people to give to us, I don't want to be <laughs> living a lifestyle that doesn't honor that. So we actually have brought down our bottom line as much as possible. And, and our vision is to have our very basic needs met from fundraising. And that goal is actually only a thousand dollars a month for our, our whole family, for everything that we'd be able to live on just that. If, if we didn't get any other love offerings or anything else that month, a thousand dollars would would make it happen. And I feel like that's a fairly, fairly reasonable goal. Yeah, I think it is. And it's important to remember too, that, you know, whenever we give to the church or a ministry of the church or whatever, we're giving to God and we don't take that lightly um, in our family. You know, this is God's money and we're the stewards of the, the gift that someone's giving. Like that's holy money to me. So, um, Bringing it down to a thousand dollars a month seems it's I mean, it's pretty low compared to some people and more than you know a lot lower than what we were making before. But it's um, so nice to be free from all those things that tie you down, like Daniel was saying. So like you know we don't have to necessarily pay for water very much if we aren't at home that month, or uh, if we live in an RV <laughs> or something like that, we're going to have a different set of um, expenses, which is really nice to have. But, you know, there are pastors and churches out there that are really hurting and they can't even pay their pastors or barely keep their lights on. You know, we cannot ask them for money. I mean, people can always give and, and it's not just up to current church to fund us by any means. But when the church, Big C Church as a whole, gets a hold of the vision that we're all in this together, we're all representing Christ together, and we're all responsible for the health of the body in general. You know, this is, it's something that really goes a long way, even if it's a small gift, because you're actually enabling us and others to live the life that God has called them to live and reach their communities in a way that we cannot here in Franklin, Indiana. When I think about how God strategically equips people. I um I remember one of my groomsmen in my wedding, um, I was a groomsman in his wedding, and the night before his wedding, we were talking, um, standing out in his driveway at his bachelor party, and he said, why do two people get married? Um, why do two believers get married? And no, it's not to fill a void. It's not you complete me. Um, his answer was, you find somebody whose heart you unite with and you can do more for the kingdom together than you can do on your own. And I look at you two and how you defied conventional processes just in your meeting and your um, 
you're hearing from God for his, his calling on your life. But then I look at you in this particular ministry, and I see two people who are musical. I see two people who can preach. I see two people who operate in prophecy. I see two people with huge hearts and engaging personalities. And I see the strategy in that. And that excites you know, I want to encourage you in that as I see I don't feel the day-to-day that you do, the miles logged and the and the, the phone calls you make and the, the budgeting. I don't feel that. But I do feel that you guys are an effective weapon for the kingdom as we release you out into the country and maybe even the world someday. I don't know. Far be it from me to put that on you. <laughs> yeah. But Hopefully soon. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. So we can talk about that as well. But I, I feel like as you guys go out, you're equipped with these talents and these gifts and these skills to do what you're called to do. I think that has to be exciting. It really is. And it's something that, um, you know, we couldn't have put our match together as far as getting married. I mean, we, we just met each other and we're both going after God. And all of a sudden we're like, wait a second, you want to do that too? Wait a second. You're called to do that. What? Like you can preach. I can preach. Oh, you play guitar. I play piano. Oh, great. Just all the things that came together like that. But we try to be as strategic and effective as we can be with the gifts that we've been given and just the the way that we are able to operate in churches you know, together as a team, I think is really unique and important to our model. Well, and there's the one side of what sort of training and what sort of uh, official stuff we've done. You know, I've, I've been trained on the mission field. I did, uh, you know, I've, we both went to Bible college. We both have studied all of that. You know, I did a, a school of worship intercession, spiritual warfare and evangelism. And, you know, we did all of those intentional things that equip us for this, but there was also the <laughs> not so good things, mm-hmm. the, the hurts, the wrong that we've seen and been through that have equipped us for this. I think we've really seen it all between the two of us. Uh, I mean, I've had a pastor out of a moral failure. I've had a pastor, I was working in a church where there was a financial moral failure that was pretty epic. We've had situations where there was criminal charges happening with leadership. We've been through church splits. We've been through, you know, manipulative pastors, emotional and spiritual abuse situations, um, impropriety, all that kind of stuff. So could it be that God allowed you to have a front row seat for that stuff to birth into you this vision that you have right now? And to hear the answer to that question and many, many more, you'll have to tune in next time. That's where we ran out of time. Thanks to Daniel and Alicia Benad and I uh, for their time, for their heart. We hope you'll join us for the conclusion of our conversation with He Is Revival Ministries. He is revival.com. There's a giving link. They're extremely grateful for any support you can provide. And big thanks go out to Ashley for the debut appearance of the back row beat. Looking forward to many, many more. listening to Big C, Little C, a podcast from Current Church. For more information, visit currentchurch.net or look for us on Facebook and Instagram. Current Church is located in Franklin, Indiana and meets on Sunday nights at 6 at The Gear. Theme music written and performed by Still the Hand, imaging by Jessica Albertson. 
Please join us next time for more conversations on Big C, Little C.